The Deeper Dig this week is brought to you by Efficiency Vermont, helping Vermonters reduce energy costs, improve air quality, and lower their carbon footprint. Learn more at EfficiencyVermont.com. From VT Digger, I'm Mike Dougherty. This is The Deeper Dig. This week, Vermont hospitals are feeling the strain from the recent surge of COVID-19 cases, and so are patients. Doctors and nurses are caring for an overwhelming number of people, many of whom are sick with severe COVID. That's caused some hospitals to call in federal reinforcements, and it's forced some patients to delay procedures they see as essential. A couple weeks ago, we put out a call to readers to tell us about their recent medical experiences. Lots of folks said they got the care they expected. People saw their primary care doctors. They got things like knee surgeries and colonoscopies. But others weren't so lucky. Basically, Vermont has access to two facilities that can do spine surgery. One is UVM and one is at Dartmouth. Neither one of them is accepting new patients for two or three months out. And so you basically can't get treatment in Vermont. It's not a question of whether your insurance is going to pay for it. You just can't get treated in Vermont. This is Pete Engel. Pete said he was kayaking on the Green River Reservoir back in October. And at the end of the day, when he picked up his kayak, he felt this sudden pain in his back. And by that evening, I was in, I mean, screaming, puddle of jello on the floor kind of pain. Is this something that had happened to you before? Like, did you kind of have a sense of what was going on? Um, I've had some back issues before. I've strained my back on occasion and bad enough that once or twice I've been on the floor for a day or two, but those were all recovery. They they were the type thing that I could do exercises and and rest it and that kind of thing. And after a a few days or a week, it would be basically all better. Um, But this one's not getting all better because it's, it's a fully herniated disc. I mean, it's Anybody who's looked at my MRIs says there's no question here. This is not something that's going to get better. It's, it's something you need surgery, and you need surgery right away or you might be paralyzed. Pete called his doctor's office. They said it would be four days until he could get an appointment. So he went to the emergency room at Copley Hospital and got an X-ray. And when he finally saw his doctor, Pete had to convince him that he needed an MRI. But the MRI was scheduled like another three weeks out, December 3rd. It's like, if something's not bleeding or falling off, nobody wants to talk to you. This whole time, Pete said, he was in chronic pain, barely walking, sleeping a lot. He couldn't work. But even after he got an MRI, it took weeks to get in to talk to his doctor about it. So Pete sent his results to a friend out of state who happens to be a spine surgeon. It took us a a few days, maybe almost a week, um, to... uh, just, just for me to get the MRI information to him and for him to have a chance to look at it and stuff. And he, he looked at it and called me and he said, yeah, we call this an, an oh shit MRI. Um, <laughs> meaning, oh shit, we have to get that guy into surgery right now. It's a, it's a medical term I've never heard before. A- apparently that is the medical term for <laughs> <laughs> And I called my doctor's office again and said, look, I've, I've talked to an out-of-state spinal surgeon who looked at the MRI and said, I need surgery right away. What can we do about this? And my doctor's office basically said, not much. They said, well, we'll call Dartmouth for you, see if they can get you in any sooner. And of course, Dartmouth can't get me in any sooner either. Pete said if he wants to get this surgery in Vermont, he's been told he has to wait until at least February to talk to a specialist. Not to get the surgery, just to talk to a doctor about scheduling a procedure. Because right now, none of the Vermont hospitals, I mean, again, UVM and Dartmouth are the only two that could even 
consider doing the surgery, and neither one of those are accepting any any non-emergency surgeries right now. So it's basically heart attack and stroke. And anything else, you're, you just got to live with it. A spokesperson for the University of Vermont Medical Center told VT Digger last week that roughly 200 to 250 patients have been impacted by delayed procedures. But that number doesn't include patients like Pete, who haven't even started planning their surgery with a doctor. Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center has also announced that some procedures have been delayed, but they didn't respond to questions about how many. Hospital officials have said there are multiple factors causing their capacity problems. There's a shortage of qualified doctors and nurses to staff hospital beds right now. More and sicker patients are coming in after putting off care during the pandemic. But one major factor is the influx of patients with severe COVID-19. Vermont's COVID hospitalization rates have been climbing throughout the fall, peaking about two weeks after Thanksgiving. But they're expected to start climbing again after the new year, when the more contagious Omicron variant takes hold. Other patients told us they've had their first cancer treatments delayed. One said she had taken a month off work to have a hysterectomy, only to have it canceled with two weeks' notice. Experts say that until the region gets COVID transmission under control, this pattern is likely to continue. People like Pete are hearing that message too. If people would a little bit <laughs> responsible and uh, wear a mask and get vaccinated, uh, it would help the whole system move forward a little bit better. When we come back, what an overcrowded hospital actually looks like. Just a quick message from our underwriters. The Deeper Dig this week is brought to you by Efficiency Vermont, supporter of Drive Electric Vermont. Information about charging on the road, model comparisons, and rebates is at driveelectricvt.com. Riley, thanks for jumping on. Hi, Mike. Earlier this month, our reporter Riley Robinson visited the Southwestern Vermont Medical Center in Bennington. At the time, Bennington County was reporting the highest rate of new COVID cases in the state. I, I have to imagine that people have some ideas and, and kind of assumptions in their mind when they hear about hospitals being full or hospitals being at capacity. I wonder if you could describe, what does it actually look like? Where are patients when you go into this building? Yeah, I've watched an embarrassing amount of Grey's Anatomy. So when I walked into the emergency department, I expected blood and guts and people yelling at each other and people looking very stressed. And it was actually, it was very calm. It was very quiet. Um, and what you're seeing here is that's out into the waiting room in okay. the, the ED. And this is a triage, so. We met up with Dr. Trey Dobson, who's their chief medical officer there. And he's also a, an emergency medicine physician. Hey guys, how are you? Good, how are you? Good. We walked in, we started in their regular emergency department before we went upstairs to the ICU. Uh, it's set up in like a circular space. The center is, I guess, like central command and you have all these computer monitors and nurses and doctors and you didn't really see a lot of patients. They were in either walled off or curtained off rooms. It's not like there's people in gurneys down the hallway. That's not what was going on. So back when the pandemic was, um, when the surge was not happening here, we didn't have every single room ready to roll here. We just put some COVID patients here. But now on any given day, we can have you know more than half the patients in the department with COVID or at least being ruled out for COVID. What are the 
doctors and nurses doing? You know, what do you see in terms of the actual movement and, and flow of people through the space? Before they go into a room, there's a, a checklist that's either flipped out or flipped in to tell them whether they need that higher level of PPE to go see a COVID patient. That's right. So this, all this stuff on the walls and all this is like all pandemic stuff. Telling you, I can't go in there without being fully. I mean, if it happens, it happens. So there's a lot of taking off and putting on gowns and these helmet-like respirators like pushing carts of supplies. Doctors just in there talking to patients. Um, And uh, again, not all the patients in the ED were there for COVID. So like people would go in if they're going in to take somebody's blood pressure, they'd come in with a cuff and they would just be wearing like an N95 mask and it would look pretty normal. When you talk about it being sort of a quiet atmosphere, I wonder in this moment that we're in right now, why might that be kind of surprising? When I try to imagine what it would be like to be a provider right now, it seems like you're always you're always running around. You need to coordinate with lots of people on a team. Things are urgent, yelling. But people spoke to each other quietly. They were quietly putting in patient information to files. They were just saying hi, and they walk into a patient's room, whatever their PPE situation is. The quiet really stood out in the ICU. Like, that's really where it hit me. It's like quiet, almost like an office, except for the beeping. What was the alarm that we just heard? What's the alarm we're just hearing right now? So there's a couple. One is a bed alarm, uh, meaning that the patient has adjusted themselves in the bed and they want the nurse to know that um, that that's happened. This person here has an alarm going off because their oxygen is really low, and I can see that. And because of his training, he can pick out each of these different beeps in this sort of like jumble of sound. And he can tell me and be like, this is because somebody's oxygen level is really low, or this is because of someone's heart rate, or that's an alarm for when somebody adjusts in their bed or something else has happened. But it was just a constant beeping. And other than that, there is not a lot of human sound. What kind of condition are these patients actually in? So as I walked around with Dr. Dobson, he pointed out some people, some people are in ventilators, some people were not. Um, But there were several patients in the ICU that he noticed their blood oxygen level was really low. We have this this person here can't breathe on their own um, due to COVID, so they've got a tube down. Mm-hmm. And you can see this oxygenation is actually still not great. Um, you should be at 100% oxygenation with the tubes down Which there. Which number is oxygen? It's that uh, blue one. Okay. What's and that? And you can see this woman's oxygenation is not good. That woman's oxygenation is not good. That is a rhythm strip that is um, so the person's heart right now is, is beating too fast. And so it's alerting the staff. But you can see all these people's oxygen is low. See, they're on oxygen too. So she's got oxygen in her nose, and her oxygen is still, you should be at 100%. Both what? these people are 90%. What did Dr. Dobson tell you about why this moment feels different from what they've experienced in the past as a hospital? Yeah, obviously more COVID patients, but also more non-COVID patients. He said there's always sort of a, a cyclical nature to this. It could be from flu, it could be 
anything else going on in the world, but now it's it's the combination of COVID plus these other things. What's happened over the last three to six weeks is just volume has increased and it's both with both COVID patients and non-COVID patients. And the problem with that is we anticipate fluctuations with non-COVID patients. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it occurs with seasons. Sometimes it occurs with diseases like influenza. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it just happens. Like you don't even have any idea why. But now with the unvaccinated COVID patients coming in, it's really inhibiting our ability to take care of others. And that's a sentiment that's unfortunately become pervasive over the past several weeks among healthcare workers. Plus at Southwestern and at hospitals everywhere, it's people who, if it were not for the pandemic, would have gotten care earlier. They would have gotten that routine colonoscopy. They would have gotten that weird, whatever it is, checked out. So they're seeing patients who are sicker or now that issue has become more severe and now they're in the emergency department and now they need that higher level care. For doctors and nurses, they're seeing a lot more patients. It was 11 o'clock in the morning and they already had people waiting outside to be seen, which he said normally wouldn't happen until 6 p.m. because people come in faster than that they can clear them from the emergency department or faster than they can be seen. So their daily rhythm is things sort of compound over the day. So there was a moment when Dr. Dobson looked up at the board and he looked up, it's this electric, it's this screen that shows you how many people are like waiting to be seen. He goes, oh, this is, this is too early. This is too many people for this early in the day. I'll tell you, it's very early and we don't normally have this many patients. This early in the morning? We don't normally have this many staff. Um, This is all due to COVID and the increase. And it looks very calm and relaxed, but if you think about it, there are two doctors trying to take care of all of these patients right now. In this whole circle. In this whole circle, that's right. There's burnout. We talked a bit about anger. The feeling of it, it doesn't have to be this way. When like most people who are showing up in the hospital really, really sick with COVID are unvaccinated. Right. Like we know that the vast majority of people in the ICU in Vermont are unvaccinated. And even for hospitalizations more generally, that that's also true. And they're saying this is a preventable situation. Yeah. And I think it's also... How do you keep going, especially when we thought that it it would be better or it would get better and maybe it didn't have to be like this, but now there's Delta and now the holidays and what if these pressures continue to grow? Morale is very low among healthcare workers and that happens when they become, uh, when they get to a point where they feel like they can't deliver the care to the patients. The, the reason they went into healthcare in the first place. So people go into healthcare to limit suffering and, and provide treatment. And when they can't do that, uh, the morale drops. And the morale drops also when they just are exhausted at, at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, that's what's happening. And I fear that people will begin to lose their compassion. And by that, I mean the um, desire to provide the care. Mm-hmm. When you lose your compassion, that's called burnout. And that's how people leave the field. Mm-hmm. Ready to go, coming down. Yeah. And then there, uh, there, you know, there's a, some anger developing. They're angry at people um, not vaccinating, 
choosing their what they believe to be their own individual self-right, not recognizing uh, the impact on the rest of the community in that regard. Mm -hmm. So for example, having all the patients come to the hospital means that we're going to be past capacity. You know, if the increase continues, we'll be past capacity. We won't be able to take care of everyone. And that's very scary and that's very anxiety provoking for a doctor or a nurse. Mm -hmm. um, to know that you have, they've never, most anyone here has never been faced with that unless they served in the military. And we're at, you know, or they were, they really went through a major, you know, traumatic event like 9 11 or something. Mm -hmm. like Have you personally, like, had to work through anger, burnout, and like, how do you deal with that? Um, I have. Uh, I, um, I think everyone has. I think that's part of being human. Um, I try to um, be aware of when I'm having those feelings and step back and, and um, ask myself why I'm having that feeling, what I can do to address it mm -hmm. in the moment. Mm -hmm. I think the big question, the more we hear about the strain on the health system right now, is how much longer can this go on for? Like you said, with the holidays coming up, another surge uh, around the corner with Omicron. Did you come away with a sense of what the longer-term outlook is for these doctors and nurses and hospital staff who are dealing with all these different stressors and how much longer they can keep even providing this level of care with the circumstances that we think are, are on the horizon? I don't know. I don't know what that timeline is. And I don't know. I don't know the answer to that because we don't know how, how bad it will be and how long this will continue and where that, light at the end of the tunnel will be. But it's just living in the U.S. or living close to hospitals. I think there's an assumption that if you need medical care, capacity won't be an issue. Like, there are definitely all these other barriers to getting health care. It's expensive. You might have to drive. But that there's, in times of true emergency, that understanding that there will always be someone there and there will always be the ability to have someone taking care of you. That's what doctors and nurses want to do. They want, it's the, the wanting to give people the best possible care and the best possible outcomes and all of the resources we can throw at people who need it, they're there. But also living with the reality that there are only so many nurses, there are only so many doctors, there are only so many hours in the day. At, like at some point those are... <laughs> Those are finite things. Last week, President Joe Biden announced that the federal government was sending reinforcements to hospitals experiencing surging patient volumes in six states. One of them was Vermont. In addition to 20 paramedics and EMTs deployed to UVM Medical Center, 10 medical workers were headed to Southwestern Vermont Medical Center. Those emergency teams were scheduled to remain at least through the end of the year. You can read more from Riley Robinson about COVID-19 in Vermont hospitals at vtdigger.org and find all of our COVID-19 coverage in one place at vtdigger.org slash coronavirus. You're listening to The Deeper Dig, a weekly podcast from the VT Digger newsroom. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and you'll get new episodes as soon as they land. 
We use music this week by Blue Dot Sessions. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. See you then. Thank you.